Greetings, everyone. Welcome. My name is Andy Neal, and you're listening to The Hiker Podcast. What is up there, hikers? This is Andy, and you're listening to the podcast that takes me, Andy, a new hiker, relatively, and uh, I go out and I ask different hikers and people in the outdoor community how hiking has changed them. I get to know the hiker behind the trekking poles. I, I want to know the why and not just the how. I, I want to know a little bit less about your base weight and a little bit about more what's in your heart, what's in your mind. That's right. This is the Hiker Podcast. It is sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, best instant coffee on the trail. They just sent me a huge box of coffee today. Thank you, CS Instant Coffee. Truly are the best instant coffee on the trail. I mean that. Also, Canuck Outdoors. Not only have they have the Visica amazing water bottles and the Vecto water bags and the fiber, carbon fiber trekking poles with the cork handles, which you can get 10% off by using the coupon code Hiker Podcast or using the link in the description of this episode. Um, They also have the amazing mud pods, which I have used for the first time. And especially during the spring weather, I have to say they're epic. I'm getting ready to write a review on it here pretty soon. Like, you know, mud ponds, you know, crampons, the whole whole play on words there, but they really are great. They give you that extra bit of grip when you're walking through these areas where the the snows begin to melt and you know, you're getting a little extra grip, you just slip on your shoes. And then they're super light, so you just put them on your pack. I love them. They are, they stay in my car, and I hook them on my pack, or I, I put them in my pack um, during these spring months because the mud is nasty. Also, big, huge thank you to all the Patreons who are helping the show out. If you'd like to help out the Hiker Podcast by supporting us on Patreon, you can go to hikerpodcast.com, and there you will find a link that says support us on Patreon. And uh, you can go ahead and just support us on Patreon. I was super, super hesitant to to do it, but you know what? It's been really cool. And big shout out to our Patreons, Mike, Danielle, Cade, Daniel, Danielle, Ren, Jacob, Tommy, and Deb for helping us out. There are three different levels. There's a three, a five, and $10 level. Getting ready to send out rewards here at the end of the month. Super excited. Um, but just thank you. Thank you all for being awesome to the show and just being nice to me. Also go to hikerpodcast.com for all the different ways to listen. You can leave a hiker podcast review, an Apple podcast review, a review on Apple podcast of the hiker podcast, um, by just going to uh, Apple podcast link. And that's a huge way to help out the show. Also just sharing out social media. Uh, I love to listen. I listen to all my podcasts on Spotify. Now sharing it on your Instagram feed. Speaking of Instagram, you can follow me, Andy at Andy films and hikes. Also all of our social media links are there as well. If you'd like a sticker, just email me Andy at hikerpodcast.com. I'll send you a sticker for free. That's right. Free stickers. Cause I just want you to take this hiker podcast sticker, which is amazing, which was not designed by me, my graphic designer. He is amazing. I'm going to post his stuff soon. If you're looking for a graphic designer, he's amazing. So anyways, amazing stickers. Cause it was designed by an amazing guy uh, who's done a lot of work for me. And I just want you to take it and stick it on your stuff, stick it on your bear canister, you know, all that fun stuff this week. Um, it's kind of weird. Cause this conversation happened back in November. Uh, John Sprinkle is the, 
founder, I guess you would say, the founder of the Oahu Coast Trail. Amazing, amazing guy uh, who came on the show back in November. And we had a lot of stuff happen. This, this episode was actually supposed to come out in December and had something happen where I had, had a person on and there was a deadline with certain things. So I had to get them on. And so I was like, okay, I'll push this to season two. No big deal. And then something else happened. And then the recording software I use actually changed their format and they completely revamped it. So I could 2.0. So all my old recordings had to go through this weird process and I couldn't get it downloaded. And it was just, um, it was crazy. But John Sprinkle, he is the founder of the Oahu Coast Trail and uh, super cool guy, super amazing process. He is wanting to get a, 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 a trail, a national scenic trail all the way around the island of Oahu and a super cool process just to learn about. He's doing so much. And uh, yeah, he went on the actual trek uh, this past December. Uh, didn't go as planned, but we're going to have him back on the show to talk about that here pretty soon. But anyways, really cool conversation, really cool guy. I'm excited for the prospects of this trail, uh, having another amazing national scenic trail on the uh, island of Oahu in Hawaii. So anyways, guys, um, thank you so much to John for being so patient. It's April. It's April 15th. And uh, this episode's finally going out. He has been so cool. So thank you for being patient with me, John. I appreciate it. But without any further ado, the uh, founder and visionary of the uh, Oahu Coast Trail, a new proposed national scenic trail, John Sprinkle. One of the huge advantages I've had starting this podcast is getting to know so many in the hiking community and finding out what people are doing throughout. And I've had an opportunity to find about find out about new trails that are going all over the country. Here in Oregon, there's the Oregon Desert Trail and also in Oregon and California, we had uh, our Arizona talk about the Siskiyou Peaks Trail. Now we're going to cross the Pacific Ocean to the state of Hawaii, which when you think of Hawaii, you don't necessarily think of hiking, but we're talking to the founder of the Oahu Coastline Trail, John Sprinkle. How are you doing today, John? Man, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, when you contacted me about this trail, I'm like, wait, people don't normally go to Hawaii or Oahu for that matter, to through hike. It's usually they want to sit on the beach and they want to, you know, lounge and, and not get out in nature. And it's not something you normally think of, but I've done some research and listened to you speak about th this trail and I'm super excited to have you on. Just opening up here, just tell us about yourself, who you are, where you come from. Yeah, so uh, my name is John Sprinkle. Um, like you said, I'm the founder of the Oahu Coastline Trail Project. Um, I'm actually Georgia born and... Basically, all this mess started from uh, my dad when he found out he was having a boy getting involved with Boy Scouts. So all my life growing up, it was always hiking, camping, backpacking, you know, anything outdoors. And, you know, I, I set foot on the, the AT a couple times. And but we always talked about actually going and doing it. You know, we had the poster hanging up in our garage since I could remember. And it was always that, you know, what if one day type situation. And it kind of boiled down to where, you know, living in Hawaii, I 
started thinking about just generally walking around the coast just as a, a, a fun exercise. And it kind of was one thing after another, started looking into national scenic trails and what actually earns them that designation. Uh, and we kind of found that we were hitting all the, the right points. And as I talked to more people, talked to the park service, they agreed. So we're into the scouting phase of it and we'll actually set off on the 4th of December. That's awesome. Now you grew you grew up in the, the southern part of the United States. You have a lot of great trails there, you know, the AT, the Bahoti Trail. What was hiking like for you as a kid? You said you were on Boy Scouts. What was the outdoors and hiking for you growing up before you made your way out to Oahu? So I don't know. I feel like I may I might have had a, a bit of a different perspective on it. Um, because it was just what we did. Um, you know, like I said, I, I was in Boy Scouts my whole childhood. So every, at least once a month we were camping or hiking or whatever. Uh, and then of course we were doing things in between as well. And so it was just a standard of life. It was what we talked about, what we looked at, um, what we dreamed about, you know, and not always just hiking, but you know, a lot of it was hiking, camping, uh, you know, and things we would like to do. So you're in, what brought you to Hawaii? <laughs> like you're in Georgia. It kind of seems I, I've been to Georgia several times. I've done work in the Atlanta area. It, it, these are two vastly different places. What brought you, you know, halfway around the world? So, um, honestly, my wife and I are opportunists and we hit that point where, um, you know, we were actually living in North Carolina at the time and her sister is active duty army. And they were PCSing out to Hawaii and it started as the joke of like, you know, over some margaritas, like, oh yeah, well, we'll just go with you. And then as it progressed, it turned into, well, what if we do go? Cause they have a, at the time they had a daughter the same age as our daughter. Uh, she's still there, but they, uh, you know, we've had both had, you know, more daughters since then. And so we came out originally to, watch their daughter while they worked. Uh, and then my wife and I worked remotely and basically we let, you know, let the army kind of bring us out there and we've been here ever since. Very nice. So you're, you're in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. At what point do you, you like start getting into the outdoors and you start like, I mean, Hawaii is the beautiful, beautiful scenery and, 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 and outdoors landscape people tend to you know they, they they stay on the beaches they don't realize that you get on the island there's so much just to enjoy off the beaches at what point did you start getting into the outdoors once you're on oahu um well so almost immediately um i mean yeah like you said everyone does like the beaches and they are beautiful they are great they're wonderful um but i i've always leaned more towards you know the hiking side since being here um it, it just it's worked better for me. I like it more. And so we, we kind of started off on that pretty quickly. Actually, our first house when we moved out here had a, a pretty cool trail, ridgeline trail up at the top of the neighborhood. And so we, we started off doing that just, you know, as the exercise and, you know, we'd check out other trails throughout the time we were here. We'd hit some of the pillboxes, you know, Diamond Head, any of those big, you know, well-known trails. Um, but as time kind of went on, it kind of started wearing on me that the accessibility of camping 
was much less than it is, you know, from, from my home in the South where, you know, you could go to public land pretty much at any point and camp. I mean, you may have to have a little permit or something like that, but overall, not a big deal. Here, on the other hand, there are only the strict camping areas uh, and the defined trails that are controlled by, you know, various groups. And, you know, as someone who comes from the background of long distance, long term hiking, um, I started to become more and more aware of um, a lack of that, at the very least, a lack of that availability. And as time went on and, you know, I talked to more and more people who were active duty and, you know, I compared that to my time in the army and it just was that, you know, because when I was stationed in the South, so I was still near the things that I knew, but the people that come out here, you know, with such a transient population, you have people who grew up in a similar vein and they, they know the things that they want to do and like, and that's not available. So, you know, being able to provide an option that is not just, sitting on the beaches or going for, you know, a four hour hike, it, it kind of rang as something that I think could be valuable, not just obviously for a personal adventure, but also, you know, to provide for other people who are coming out here and, you know, are looking for something different. So at what point you're like, we need a national scenic trail around the coastline of Oahu. It, it was on flying in that first time to Oahu, I saw the, the outside of the island and I was like, hey, I want to take a scooter around it. I don't know why. I just wanted to. And time went on and I was like, yeah, no, it's fine. I don't, don't want to do that. And then it just, you know, one thing after another. I think it'd be cool to, to hike it. And then as I was training for a marathon, listening to um, podcasts, stuff like that, I started going down the rabbit hole of through hikers, you know, I'd always heard of through hikers, but never really looked into it, never knew any. So, you know, you start hearing about, you know, folks like Darwin, Dixie, and, um, you know, and, and all, all those folks, and you start watching their stuff and, and seeing what it actually looks like. And the idea of doing that and backpacking my way around the island versus just, you know, making it its own little hike became more and more enticing. And, you know, like I said, as I did more research, I found the, the parameters for a national scenic trail designation that, you know, the coastline of Hawaii or of Oahu specifically met those factors. You know, it had the historical significance. It had the social significance. So it was just, it, like I said, everything kind of fell into place. So talk a little bit about what, what, what it are the requirements and what the process looks like to become a national scenic trail. We've had Arizona here. He's doing the, the um, hot springs and you know, Siskiyou peaks trail. We haven't talked specifically about the process, but it is a, it's a pretty involved process. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like to have the, you know, the Oahu coastline trail be recognized as a national scenic trail? So some of the first things that it has to meet, um, it has to be more than a hundred miles. Um, which the coastline of Oahu is 227 miles. Um, I believe that as we're hiking around it, um, due to military bases, airports, harbors, what have you, um, we're not going to be able to do a full 227. Um, My guess is somewhere in the 180 range. Um, So we're going to do that. We're going to stick to the beaches and the adjacent roadways. And um, so it's, 
the the distance requirement. It has to have um, historical, uh, geologic, ecological significance, um, which you know Oahu kind of hits all of those factors between you know World War II, the the Polynesians, you know, coming over and finding this land, you know, the actual culture because it is a different culture than is standard on the mainland. Um, and, and it has, you know, it's loaded with endemic and endangered species that you're just not going to see anywhere else. So along with other, you know, geographic factors in that it's the furthest, the most remote chain of, uh, islands in the world from any other mainland area. So in creating this trail, are you just using beach and roadwalks? Are you going out there with a shovel and, and, and trail crews and are you attaching, are you making a route with already pre-existing trails? What What is the actual trail looking like? So the actual infrastructure is one of the things that I'm working with um, the park service on a lot. And we're, we keep kind of going back and forth on it. And because there's been a number of attempts to develop other trails, um, like one along the Southern um, in or Southern edge of the Island um, that has been shot down literally since the thirties. And, but it's always an infrastructure issue because they, they want to make it a multi-use trail. So you have to get the jurisdictional. Okay. You have to get, you have to actually build this pathway um, because a multi-use path uses bicycles, hiking, skateboarding, whatever. So it has to provide all of that and also account for any liability that may happen where my idea does not involve any of that. It is beaches, which are, up to the high water mark, our state property from the high water mark um, inland follow, falls under you know city and county or private or government entity. So basically, my my concept has less um, requires less overall, and because those areas are already maintained by whatever entity is controlling it, um, that's just that much less to contend with, you know. The AT, for example, has trail crews that have to go out and maintain it or you'll lose the trail. Here, mm-hmm. if you put the water on one side and you walk, you're on the trail. I mean, it, it's it's that simple. Um, and, and being able to kind of maneuver your way through uh, and account for some of the other basic necessities with regard to people being on a trail like this, you know, most national scenic trails are a very austere environment. You know, there's no one around for miles. And even when you do cross a roadway, you've got to hitch into town. Well, along the coast of Oahu is where the majority of um, the people live. So you're going to walk through, of course, you know, you'll have your beaches, your, your, uh, your cliff sides, stuff like that, but you're going to walk through towns. You're going to walk past stores, restaurants, uh, and, all, all of these different things and things that most people are never going to be exposed to at any other point. And it basically gives them an opportunity to not only get the experience of a national scenic trail and, and you know, within this tropical beach environment, but also they're able to be exposed to the people of Hawaii, the, you know, the Filipino people who, who've moved over here. Um, you get down into Honolulu, you have, the sing the largest gathering or group of um, Japanese people outside of Japan. So seeing this influence and 
being able to take that in and also take part in some of the things that are that do make Hawaii so valuable to everyone that comes out here, you know, the food, the the sites and all that without, you know, relegating yourself to a hotel or Airbnb strictly and, you know, only focusing on water sports, you know, I think that it opens up a lot and it provides a lot of people a unique opportunity to also be able to appreciate this land for what it is. And that also is going to create some logistical challenges too, because I know here in Oregon, we have the the new Oregon coast trail, which the biggest complaint for that is so much road walking. And then sometimes when it's at, if it's at high tide, you can't walk on the coast because there's these high cliffs. Uh, how do you navigate that along with the issue of, of camping? Because it, you, you can't really camp along the beaches in Hawaii because the, the state of Hawaii has done a lot to try to keep, you know, transient homeless people from sleeping on the beaches. So how do you, how do you deal with that? It's mostly stealth camping is a lot of logistical things there that I know that's got to probably be a headache to deal with, but it's not nothing you can't overcome. Right. Absolutely. Well, it's kind of funny you say that because you know, my entire career is based off of logistics. So um, yeah, I think that, I mean, you make a great point. At the end of the day, you run the risk while walking on the beach specifically of having to contend with high water. Um, for the most part here, unless it's like a king tide or something like that, you really don't have that much of an issue. Yeah, you could be walking closer to the road that's still on the beach. You could be walking, you know, further down. But, you know, it's just based on where the tide's at. So not a huge deal. Um, and other than a very small portion of, I think it's the northwest corner um, where Cayena Point is, you have a roadway almost right there at the coast. So walking between one or the other is entirely up to you. For me, it's more important to walk on the beaches uh, and because I'm actually going to fly my dad out to do this scouting trip with me. And he, and so we're doing that to actually get the, I guess the, the real experience of the Oahu coast versus the Oahu coast roadway. Um, you know, there's areas where, you know, like kind of like with the Oregon coast, you, you just cannot walk on the beach and you know, that's fine. Um, like on the, the Southeast corner by Makapu'u, there's the Hawaii scenic byway and you cannot walk on the beach. It's just cliffs and blowholes and stuff like that. So, um, you know, seeing that stuff and, and being able to take that in is the important thing. And kind of like with some of these other trails, um, I've heard it specifically with the, the CDT, you know, it, it's kind of a choose your own adventure on that front in that, you know, you could keep to the, the asphalt the whole time if you wanted to, um, but you're going to li- miss out on a lot and you know, you're going to miss out on that wildlife that's right there. Um, and then with regard to the camping, you know, you're, you're correct. So all beaches within the state of Hawaii are state property and are public period. Um, that being said, you know, the, the city and County, property starts from the high water mark and goes back or, or, you know, like I said, government or private property. And so those are what fall under the different mandates. You know, the, the homeless population, you know, it it is a big deal out here, but they are typically camping on city and county property, which is a hard no-go. Now with our scouting trip, yes, we will be having to do stealth camping. 
And it's kind of funny because although, yes, it is technically against the law, the reason we are doing it is because we're going to be going around and using GPS to track not only our route, but also ideal camping locations so that when once it's all done and we can put it all together, we can present this to, you know, local leaders. We can present this to the state, you know, and eventually if everything goes well, it will have to be presented in front of Congress to get ratified into the national trail registry. And with that, they need to be able to see, okay, these are the ideal, these are ideal spots for camping. So if we permit someone to do this, we can expect them to camp here, 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 and here. Uh, and these are the spots that are going to be out of the way of the water. They're going to be, you know, as safe as can be. Um, and it's going to help curb uh, people camping on the beaches because it sounds like fun, but it's really not. And it is kind of dangerous because if, if you don't expect the tides to come through the way they do, you know, you could end up in a submarine versus a tent. Um, you know, and you also have to consider, you know, movement around like the homeless population. So those are all just things that have to go into it. And during my conversations with, you know, the park service and the Hawaii DLNR, you know, the, it was kind of funny cause they're like, yeah, it, it's illegal to camp there, but also how are you ever going to know where these good spots are without doing it? So, you know, kind of have to, in order to, to help this thing move forward. So what's been the reaction of the locals in Hawaii and people you've talked to there on the island? So the, the ones that I've been able to talk to uh, without obviously just pulling random people is overall, you know, pretty good. Um, for the most part, I, I haven't gotten any, any like negative backlash. It's been like, okay, well, make sure you talk to these people or, you know, expect to have pushback um, from, the, from the local population. Um, you know, at the end of the day, nobody wants to feel like they're being taken advantage of. No one wants to feel like their land or their property or what have you is being taken from them. And the way that I see it for this and through my conversations with different people, you know, if this goes into effect and this becomes a thing, you know, that's one more layer of protection that the coastline has. Um, you know, and it's going to be down to the it's going to be up to the people who actually live here and work it to have a group that actually helps manage it and maintain it. So like that, that's another thing that when it comes to a, a national scenic trail is you have to have a group willing to maintain it. Um, from, and like I said, from the trail perspective, a lot of the areas that it's going to be walked on will be covered through, you know, state maintenance or state maintenance of the beaches, um, city and county handling beach parks, DOT for the roads. And, but, you know, if this goes up, then they're going to have to be blazes. There's going to have to be things that show people where they're going. And so minor maintenance of that, have a group that handles it. Um, and that, that's going to be predominantly locals, at least in my mind, because again, protecting these, you know, the, this essential greenway that goes around the island is going to be huge to helping them, you know, giving that extra layer to, to keep things the way they like it. And what I love about this as well is for Hawaii, it's definitely diversifying the tourist attractions there because it's so much focus on the beaches and water sports. And now you're doing something that's bringing in people who 
love and care for the outdoors through hikers who understand principles like leave no trace. And they're going to come and they're going to spend money, um, especially in a place like Oahu, where resupplying sounds like it's going to be generally pretty easy because you're along the coast. You're walking through town after town after town. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk about the expected uh, impact on the local economy um, for the positive uh, bringing in through hikers who aren't just going to take, 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 but they're going to be very careful of the footprint they leave. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, to kind of start off on that one, you know, my concept for this is that someone can fly in, check their bag. Basically they will, they will come through the airport they grab their bag off the conveyor and you're on the trail because, you know, you're obviously not going to be able to get around the airport. So the airport is going to be a part of, this process it's going to be you know that hub so you could fly in turn left and go i mean in i think a little over a mile maybe two you'll be at a grocery store so you can stock up and you're there um and yeah so i think that by moving through and giving people the opportunity to remove themselves from or remove the, the potential for having to stay in a hotel or stay in Airbnb or anything like that, like they could just camp and just follow, you know, the pathway and do what, what it is that they're looking to do and get that, you know, eco tourism experience while also being presented with other opportunities um, such as, you know, the Pearl Harbor national park. It It's on the coast, obviously. Um, you know, you'll see every beach that Oahu has to offer. You'll be exposed to, um, like the Polynesian Cultural Center in Laia, you have various restaurants and food trucks and, you know, and you'll hit all the, the major areas. And, you know, that's, it allows people to keep the money that they would be spending on a hotel, um, be able to keep it in their pocket to be used in those other areas. Um, I see too many people who fly in and they basically go to Waikiki or they go to Koalina and basically they, all their money just goes to the hotel. It just goes to the golf course. It just goes to uh, the ABC store and the, you know, the resort restaurant. And I mean, if that's what you want, then great, do it. But also there's so much more. And, you know, and it's a stark contrast. As soon as you leave the Honolulu city limits for the, what, what I consider the rest of Hawaii, you know, the, the leeward side, uh, you know, you start, you run into, I mean, yeah, you do have some of the poverty, but you have the actual people, you know what I mean? It's not, it's no longer touristy. It's, Hey, this is where folks live. These are the restaurants where, you know, that we eat at come check it out and, and try it. I mean, like I had some of the, the best ramen I've had outside of Japan, you know, just a couple weekends ago, just from trying different things, a place that I never would have thought of if I hadn't moved away from, you know, the main center center for, you know, entertainment or food or anything like that. So what's your timeline looking like right now as, as you move through this process, you're getting ready to do basically a, a scouting shakedown, just, you know, through hike, you know, kind of hike this thing for the first time. What is your timeline look after that to get this thing, you know, to become just a, a, a trail recognized by the county and the state and eventually in front of Congress. What's your timeline right now? So I have 11 days from today 
before we start. Um, my plan, or at least my estimate, is roughly 10 days of hiking. So December 4th through the 13th or 14th um, to just be hiking. Um, the idea is to do roughly 20, 20 plus miles a day. Uh, I know that that's kind of, you know, that's booking high, it. That's, booking that's it, high yeah. hopes. But the way that, that my dad and I kind of see is for the most part, we're talking about everything stays at sea level. You know, you're not really doing a huge change in elevation um, because timelines are not an issue. You know, it's not like the other trails where you have to get to a certain point at a certain time or a post office closes. You just go. It's fine. Um, you have, you're, you're more exposed to, um, different things that are surrounding the trail. You know, like I mentioned, if, if you want to stop and resupply or grab a burger or whatever, you can do it. Um, so basically it's more of a get up, start walking. And, you know, if you break it down from there, you're looking at, you know, 12, I think we're at about 12 hours of daylight. And so, you know, 10 ish hours of just walking at a, you know, relatively slow two mile an hour pace, you know, that's 20 miles in a day. So just being able to kind of keep going is really our, our big goal. Um, so my hope is that we can finish it. Um, you know, and if not, it, you know, I'll just have to go do a couple little extra runs myself to get to finish it up. But overall, I think that, you know, we should be able to do it in that time frame. Um, the biggest concerns will obviously be the days where we have to go a little further in order to find, you know, a safe spot for the night to, to camp. Uh, and then, you know, because it's the stealth camping, it's going to be, you know, set up just before dark and then break down before light and, and keep moving. So, you know, at that point, I don't foresee anyone really bothering us, seeing, you know, caring what we're doing, anything like that. So as this process goes on, you look 20, 30, 40 years down the road. What is your ultimate hope for this trail besides being recognized as a national scenic trail? What would you hope this, the legacy of this trail is 30, 40, 50 years down the road? Well, so kind of also to touch back with what you had said for, you know, for the, for the last question, you know, a lot of these trails, it takes 10, 20, 30 years to, to hit that national scenic status. So I'm kind of hoping to leverage like social media and stuff to get it to that point a lot faster. But my legacy with regard to this trail is just, you know, I'd like to leave a mark on why a positive mark um, and something that, you know, people coming out can enjoy. And, and even the locals, if they, you know, if someone decides they want to do it, then great. You know, it, it's your land. Go enjoy it. You know, see everything for what it is. But, you know, in a format that you know most people don't see in it, you know, yeah, you can drive to a beach, get out, do beach stuff, get in a car and go home. But it's a very different thing to have everything to survive on your back and you know see it from that perspective uh and so i I would hope that a lot more people would take that opportunity um and also to kind of show my my daughters my i've got a four-year-old and a three-month-old and you know show them you you don't have to be an expert in, in something to make a difference to make a change uh you know to find a way to do something and you know it, it's just you put the time in you talk to people you know the worst that happens is someone says no well move on to someone else and 
use that forward momentum to continue pushing the boundaries and seeing what's available. And where can people go if they want to learn more about this trail, if they want to support you or support this trail? Uh, maybe there are some uh, people, a lot of gear companies and other people who listen, if they want to somehow throw their, their hat in supporting you and this trail. Uh, so our main presence is on Instagram. It's at the underscore OCT underscore project and uh, Facebook. It's, I believe it's the OCT project. Double check that one. Um, so if we'll come back and I think that one's fine. Um, yes. So if you just look up the OCT project, it'll come up on there. And yeah, we've actually gotten some, some good support from uh, a few companies like Gaia. Um, they're, they're helping us with the GPS for everything. That's um, big. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Uloha, which is the only outdoor, so outdoor supplier in Hawaii. Um, they're helping us out. They've, they've given us some gear to, to show their love. Um, and Z packs as well as Adam packs are, are coming through with some gear as well. So, you know, it, it's been huge. We've gotten a lot of really great support from, from them and hopefully we can keep it going and find more stuff to help us out. Very cool. So John closing out here, I just, I ask every guest this and as you're creating this trail and you've, you grew up loving the outdoors, what does hiking mean to you? hiking is about a change it's you know like i said it's it's a different perspective than most people are used to and it is forward momentum under your own power and you know i think that there's a beauty in that simplicity and you know that's why so many people are able to when they hike they recharge and you know they come out of the woods a different person and i think that's that's what it is to me it's getting out and seeing things you know for what they are and being able to figure out a way to move on and move forward with whatever either is causing a problem or just as your current undertaking. Very cool. John, thank you so much for coming on. Tell us about this trail. I'm excited to uh, hopefully get out to the islands sometime next few years and, and, and through hike that with a bunch of other people. And I know a lot of people are excited to, to step foot on the Oahu coastline trail. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. John, thank you for your patience and for coming on the show. We're going to have him on again to talk about his journey, to talk about what went down and what's the future of this trail. I'm super excited about this because this also gives a lot of once once COVID's over, especially, um, which I got my, my first COVID vaccine today. My arm hurts. Like it was fine until about two hours ago. I came back from my, my daughter's cross country meet and it's like, man, it's really hurting now. It's like all hard. Yeah. Anyways, that's neither here nor there, but especially when you get into the winter months and you know, you're, you're looking for some through hiking, you know, hiking out in, on Hawaii, like in December, a through hike, that sounds pretty awesome to me. And also just an amazing scenic uh, area to go and learn about so much to do. So John, thank you for coming on the show. Make sure you follow him on all the various social media networks. Of course, make sure to go to hikerpodcast.com for all the pertinent information about who we are, what we do, where we're going. If you have a suggestion, I do say take suggestions uh, for different 
guests, if you have someone who's like, you know, they have a great story or you're like, you know, I have a really good story and I like to share it, you know, put yourself out there. Email me, Andy at hikerpodcast.com. I may be able to fit you in. No, I don't want to be like that. I may be able to fit you in. No, um, it might work out, you know, it might work out to where, you know what? I think it's a good fit. I think we'd love to have you on the show. So please, you know, only people I've really kind of turned down are people who are like, obviously like, Hey, I'm, 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 I'm running this book and I went on a hike once. You should have me on your show. And I'm like, is the book about hiking? No. Then why do I need you on my show? Those are usually the ones I'm like, yeah, it's great that you've been on a hike once, but that's not what, that's not what we're about. But anyways, we'd love to hear who you think should be on the hiker podcast. There's a, a plethora of, of new guests coming on next week. We'll have Ashley Manning. Many of you may know her from Instagram. Uh, we had an amazing conversation. Looking forward to sharing that all with you. Uh, yeah. Go to hikerpodcast.com for all the latest. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the hiker podcast. This is being lost. And may I never be found. I'm staying.